Welcome to the Untitled Film Project Podcast with Jeremy K. Gover, Justin Bradford, and myself, Jim Chandler. Today we are talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and we also have The Big Question. Ooh, it's a good one. It's a fan-submitted question as well. These are my favorite. When you guys submit questions, this is the greatest stuff. What we're going to answer later is we have to choose one character from any film to be our spouse or partner, and which character do we select? I hate my answer already, (laughs) which makes it a good question. So let's have fun with it. Let's talk Black Panther Wakanda forever. When we rejoin the franchise, Wakanda's protector is gone. We've lost T'Challa and we've also lost a beloved actor in Chadwick Boseman Uh, in the world in which uh, Marvel Universe exists, Wakanda is seen as a vulnerable kingdom. And while there's also sort of a power vacuum going on in Wakanda, we are introduced to new dark forces uh, that are, you know, related to the all-powerful vibranium. And the new threat comes from the underwater society. And other countries that I want to invade. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put it out there. The United States is right up top. <laughs> and oh, France. <laughs> For some odd reason, France. That's what gets me. Anyways. <laughs> the underwater Mayan kingdom uh, is led by Namor. This place is amazing. The air is pristine. And the water. My mother told stories about a place like this. A protected land with people that never have to leave, that never have to change who they were. What reason do you have to reveal your secret to the world? I am not a woman who enjoys repeating herself. Who are you? I have many names. My people call me Ahkukunkan. But my enemies call me Namor. Let's do a quick hot take on uh, Wakanda Forever, guys. What did you think? Justin Bradford. I'll go ahead and start. If you're saying hot take, I'll go ahead and start with this immediately enters my superior category of MCU films. And I don't think it's going to be a shock to many just because of how I think beautifully done overall. It's not a perfect film. Not many are going to be perfect films, right? Right. But overall, what it covers with development, how it closes out phase four, it enters my superior category. And the way I do this, and I know Gover hates that I categorize instead of rank by number, is because when you have over 20 films, it is really difficult to tell the difference between 17 and 18 and 4 and 5. So I do my rankings of superior, very good, good. You've got them in tiers. Tiers. I I like to do my tiers. And actually, I'll I'll tease that out. If, If people are interested in submitting their own tiers, I'd be very curious on what our listeners have because I know there's gonna be difference of opinions. Some things are gonna match up, some things won't. But it instantly enters my superior category because Ryan Coogler has shown how good he is at expressing emotion through his directing. It's not just with the two Black Panther films. You see what he's done with Creed, so many others as well. He is a he's an incredible director. And what stood out to me in this film was his framing to bring in emotion. Yep. We see so many great close-up shots, but it's perfect for showing the emotion. And I've seen so many reviews and everything, too, talking about the mix of music. And we're going to dive deeper into music because we have to for this film. I'm going to just 
say we have to. I'm putting my foot down on that one. But it's what... <laughs> you will get no argument from me this okay. time, sir. <laughs> it's what Coogler does in the silent moments when you don't have a score happening, when you don't have music happening. It's what he's able to pull off and express. From Did I steal one of your things? <laughs> yes. Okay. Jeremy Gover is waving his hands around. <laughs> I going. thought I was I was so excited because... Yeah, I'm so sorry. Because I got, I got to bring up the music for once. I'm so Jim chose me first. <laughs> I know. So This is a but, great transition. Uh, Jeremy... Tell us what you thought. If you want to start with the music, uh, you're no, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start. I'll give it to the music guy over here. I just. I. I was just so proud of myself that I. I'm proud of you too. Uh, But I will actually. Speaking of music, I will come up with one thing, and I think we should start the podcast this way in in a in a sense because the movie, in a sense, after the cold open, started this way as well. Can we give it up for the genius that was the Marvel Studios intro? Yes, it was all Chadwick Boseman clips, but it was also a moment of silence. It forced you to lean in and embrace the sadness of a real person's passing, not just a character. It forced you to do that. Like everyone, you're in the theater, okay? You know who, right. you know what Black Panther, what it is. You probably know what Wakanda Forever is. You probably are an MCU fan. Like I'd say 85% of the people that are going to go see this know what MCU is. Right. Okay. So you're aware that Chadwick Boseman passed away. It still got you. Like it's still, it, it forced you to remember that beyond this piece of art that you're watching, that beyond this movie that you're in a theater watching, this real thing happened, and we're all sad about it, and we're all just in, in, a, in a sense of emotion about it. One way or the other. Whether you yep. knew Chadwick Boseman, or you just saw him on the screen, or you liked one of his films, or you loved how he portrayed James Brown, or Jackie Robinson, or you know whatever it was, it, was, it, it forced you to remember him and that's powerful if you can turn a template mm-hmm. into a mm-hmm. of, of like 15 seconds by the way sure into a powerful piece you have my attention and leading into that too they take a moment of realism of how he battled yes because they even address that waiting to the last minute to ask for any help he did it quietly and silently and then he, they still could not find a cure yeah. And sure, he's trying to find a cure. And we all know what that's just leading to. We, we we know what's being portrayed here. So it even touches the realism more to where when the Marvel logo comes on, you are feeling his passing because they address it in the opening scene that starts off with a black screen and just voices. We just hear. We don't see. So it brings that up even more to the moment of silence that perfects that opening logo as well to make you feel it because yes we know what happened in real life and they address it in the film directly too yeah it was spectacularly appropriate and masterfully done uh i think this is probably i to me i i don't know how i would have approached the problem of not only is the lead character of this franchise gone but a person who is much beloved in Chadwick Boseman is gone. You've got to respect that. You've got to work it into the story. And you've also got to propel that franchise forward. And my initial take is that they did it wonderfully. I was wrapped with attention. I, I felt all the appropriate things that one should go through in the grieving process. And we'll get into this that the grieving process is a big part of the character arcs of 
many of the characters in this film. And uh, I, you know, I think us as film go- uh, goers have to go through that process. They had to go through it as their, you know, colleague and friend uh, passed away, and the story had to go through it. And I was just really impressed with the way they handled it. So let's go deeper into Wakanda Forever. This is a movie I really think gave so many characters a chance to show their chops, uh, whether it be Angela Bassett, Letitia Wright, and you could just go on and on. This movie, yes, it's a long movie, but it gives those characters some room to breathe and have their moment. And every one of them, I thought, had at least one scene where they nailed it. They had your attention. They grabbed you by the lapels and said, this is how I feel at the moment. And they were just terrific. I I, I thought the performances across the board were were really good. What did you guys think of? uh, Angela Bassett stands out for me so much. She was Because the way she was able to command the screen, whether it was her giving the speech to the United Nations, basically, (laughs) or it was her in speaking with Namor, or it was so many other times when sure. she is just commanding the screen that she has a portrayal of a queen down to it. And the, you could feel emotion coming through her, and it, you can tell the, the immense power when you can see the spit coming from her mouth. Yeah. And to keep that in there. And I like seeing that because you can feel emotion when there's that. If you're just delivering a speech for the sake of a speech, okay. But if you are actually throwing spit out you can you can feel that emotion there too with what she's trying to push out of her mouth she's living that she's living that that motion that emotion and everything too the what also stood out to me more was winston duke yeah i really enjoyed him having more screen time using his comedic timing but also showing too that he is there and supportive and in a role that he made a promise to t'challa so I, I like the more rounded approach that he had of being more part of Wakanda. He's three three dimensional. Yeah, three dimensional. I, I loved it. I loved it. And it's such a small, small character when you think about it. But his portrayal there, I really did enjoy that as, so much. Talk about somebody who uh, used every second of their screen time to make the most of it and you know hit it out of the park. Yes, Angela Bassett hits me as an overrated actress sometimes. And I know that's like sacrilege to some people but mm-hmm. in Mission Impossible Fallout she overacts every single line she has it's like oh my god please stop in Contact her delivery to Jodie Foster's character a very, a, more than a few times is reminiscent of a high school production of Shakespeare it's very awkward very okay. much like tell me more doctor it's just very like over enunciated and just like okay this is not right and then in London has fallen she comes across like she doesn't even want to be there so all that to say she was magnificent, like peak Angela Bassett, in like 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 Oscar nominated supporting actress, great in Wakanda Forever. I thought she yeah. was tremendous, and I would I, I want to go back and watch just her performance again. That's how good it was. Uh, I'll agree with you there because uh, I really think if I was gonna take one scene away, where uh, she. This would be what I would submit to the Academy mm-hmm. is where she is, you know, fervently yelling, 
don't tell me about loss. Yeah. And she goes through, you know, what she has endured as Queen Ramonda throughout this story in the previous film and everything. And, you know, I felt it. I mean, I it was truly like I'm watching something special on the screen at this very second. But I'm going to give it to Letitia Wright because she was a, a fun side character in the original Black Panther. That's a perfect way to put it. And I, I enjoyed her. I thought she was she was great. Yep. But this movie allowed her to show us what she can do as an actress. I think she's a better actress now. She's she's really she t- took a lot of roles uh, in between these films, and I think it really shows. And that really came across when you see somebody who uh, has to, by circumstance, uh, by the death of her brother. And all the things that are facing Wakanda now with the new underwater threat, that she has to mature and become a leader in this time in, you know, in frantic, hectic mode. And she portrayed that so well, that transition from being just grieving to vengeful anger, all the stages of grief that she showed, I thought were terrific. I slightly disagree. Okay. The moments where she was showing emotion of grief and sadness and then in mourning, like at the end of the film, were great. Her comedic timing moments with uh, Dominique Thorne, Riri, Riri yeah. were great. I thought those moments were great. I think the moments when she was speaking with Killmonger, that was fine and when she was sent back. But... Her moment with M'Baku, I didn't care for her acting portrayal when she's feeling vengeful. I didn't believe it as much. The character, I liked the plan for the character overall. I really enjoyed that. It was a full coming of age for Shuri. That's what needed to happen. That's why it was so long. So you think about what we were left with the last time we saw Shuri was side character. And all of a sudden now she has to become Black Panther. Not Queen, but Black Panther. Is leading up to that yep. and has to go through all these series of trials and tests and everything, too, of wanting to kill, 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 and then coming back to it. I think Letitia Wright, in her best moments, is when it's more emotion and comedic timing, but the vengeful parts, I didn't believe as you much. Buying it. I weren't, and there's nothing against her as much. I think she, there's still so much growth and potential with her as an actress as well. I'm just saying, I of all the other portrayals in this film i'm not calling it weak or anything like that i just didn't think that was her strongest part her stronger parts were the emotional sides of things during the funerals during the mourning parts especially when she's with uh, nakia at the end those moments and that when i talk about framing with ryan coogler his framing of shuri in those moments was fantastic that's what i enjoyed more about letitia wright i never cried in this film I'm not saying I'm disappointed by that because again I don't I don't I don't like to you know expect emotions but mm-hmm. but I but I did expect just because of the nature of the, of course the nature of the situation I thought for sure I would be bawling because when the first trailer came out I watched it approximately 127 times <laughs> and go I, watch a trailer and I bought and I bought and I bawled 127 times wow I mean it was unbelievably powerful and amazing and incredible and perfect I was sniveling by the logo. <laughs> See, and, but there, there was never a moment in the film that I was actually fighting back tears, and I thought that was very interesting and weird because I was set up to. 
I was set up to, as an emotional person and an emotional audience member, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm walking into this. My son's here and I don't care. I'm going to, he's going to be like, why are you crying? He's, I mean, he's going to ask. And I never, I never had to. Everybody reacts differently too. Yeah. Depends on what scene you're in, how you're feeling, the setting, all that stuff can affect it. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't cry during this film, but there were moments where I held my breath. And oh, those, plenty of those. And in oh, those yeah. moments, especially the quiet moments, you could hear a pin drop in the yes. theater. And I felt like I could hear a pin drop in my mind. You know, when a, when a member of the military passes away and, you know, they have current service members come to the funeral and pay their respects to the family. And they do it in such a precise and just... Mm-hmm. St- this uber respectful way, and that's the way I mourned while watching this movie. I I didn't cry, but I felt like I ha- I'm in a funeral, and I care about this person, so I am going to give them 150 percent of my attention. Quick sidetrack in addition to that, because I had the opportunity to see it for a second time before we recorded, and I tweeted about this post on Facebook because it is always curious to me about audience reactions to things. And I enjoy being able to witness audience reactions when I know what's going to happen. Because the first time I see a film, you'll pick up on some things, like the portal scene in Endgame. I was losing my mind along with everyone else. But when I went back to see it again opening weekend and being able to know what's happening next and everyone else lose their mind, that gives me joy. And the second time going, when it's still opening weekend, it's, th- it's a Thursday. It's the first day of film the film being shown and to have the pin drop moment during the logo no one's talking not even crunching popcorn nobody's messing with their food their concessions it is dead silent mm-hmm. for, yeah. for reasons and then when you have different emotions like when killmonger shows up or when they for show riri on the screen you know who she's going to be all these little moments to me that brings me so much joy to see other people getting joy and reacting to a film and i'm not trying to say anybody to to pay attention to that in your first viewing. But if you go to a film the second time, pay attention to that because it is so cool. The emotions that movies bring out in people when you know what's coming, but they don't. And it is so awesome to me to have those, to have those types of experiences. Let's get into our new villain. And I'm going to put that in air quotes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, We have Namor. From the underwater kingdom that also is known introduced. as Namor or Kuku Clan. Yes, very well said. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, let's talk about the actor's name, and because you say it with such panache, uh, Tenoch Huerta. Yes, yes. <laughs> I want to make sure. Hey, look, if you're new and a previous gig, names are a big deal to me. So big even deal. if I'm messing that up, Justin, Bradford. I, I want to get it right. The, the, the intent effort. is the intent is there from Bradford always. Exactly. Always the intent. Yes. It's about respect. Getting people's names right is about respect. Sure. Yeah, to their names and to their culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought uh, Horta was really good villain. He comes to Wakanda with an ultimatum: we're either going to fight the outside world together, or I'm going to fight you. And he lays out his reasons, and the man has a point. And I love me a villain that has proper motivations for doing what they're doing, for their actions. Why are they doing this? 
And he's not entirely wrong for wanting to do what he does. The best villains are villains that you can at least halfway see with their logic. Yeah. Thanos, Gore. Yeah. I mean, that, just, that's just two that, that are just... You Great can examples. See, you can see, okay, like, I don't agree because I, I'm an audience yeah. member and I can see the whole picture, but I, where you're from, like, where, like you're in your shoes, makes perfect sense. Yeah. So th- this is where I see so much great writing and character development from Ryan Coogler, who is one of the writers along with Joe Robert Cole, Yeah, that two times now we've had sympathetic villains. Killmonger completely understood what he was, where he was coming from. Yep. Yeah. Was it going about the right way? Eh. But we understood where he's coming from, and he was able to get instantly people to support him and say, no, yeah, I totally agree with this. Yeah, but it wasn't the the way he's going about it to like bring war. Is more we need to be sharing our resources with with people because it's for the best. And it ended up T'Challa did that, which leads into this story yes. of what that meant as well. But then you come into this with Namor, and it's the same thing. You understand war is coming somehow because the Americans, the French, the rest of the world is coming for vibranium when they discover it. Yeah, and so he's trying to get play get ahead of the game. But do we agree with the way he's going about it? No. But it all stems from when he was a child and he saw what the landers were doing, the people on land were doing to his own people. And so you see so much of representation come into play with with these villains of what they've had to go through, what Killmonger went through when he's grown up in the projects in Oakland. We're seeing so much of history, true history, come into play with developing these villains that they make them sympathetic and that's what's fantastic because it makes you think and have those quiet moments where you're thinking about things so much and I love what they do with these. Those are, like Gover said, the best villains are ones that make you think about it and be like, nope, they're just bad. They need to go away. Right. <laughs> they come from the circumstances that happen to them and in at least their minds, they're justified and maybe a little bit in ours. I really thought this uh, underwater kingdom was really uniquely portrayed on film as opposed to the Aquaman where, you know, eh, he's, he's in an Apple store. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> this one has had an organic feel to it. Uh, I truly felt this was like a unique take on an underwater kingdom. And I think it's setting a bar for what James Cameron is going to do with the Avatar film coming out shortly. I really thought that the underwater scenes were portrayed very well. Visual effects were fantastic. And anybody that, you know, makes a film will tell you when you're trying to portray anything underwater, it's one of the most difficult things to do. Namor is originally of Atlantis. So they changed the story here for the MCU, for the MCU's sake. And representation has a lot to deal with it. And I I love that fact because Tabokan is based off the Yucatan. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing so much of that come into effect because they still make sure... This is, again, one reason I I did enjoy Phase 4 is in Shang-Chi, we get Mandarin spoken on the the screen. We're not saying everything has to be in English because everything's not in English. In Wakanda Forever, we're getting the Yucatec Maya language being spoken on screen along with Wakandan. (laughs) So we're seeing subtitles come into play here so much, but then you have all this technology come in between these but how they can translate each other too and it shows how advanced this underwater culture is but it's so freaking amazing to me that we're having these language be spoken and we're making sure it is acceptable that not everything has to be in English and I love that part of representation because now you're seeing a whole culture 
feel represented on the screen. And I love that it's in a villain-ish way and not just a villain because people can connect to that culture as well still and not feel like they're ultimately a villain. It makes it more realistic to me. Yes. So I can buy it if uh, if I feel it's real and mm-hmm. language definitely you know makes that happen. I just love how when they're translating the underwater people, it's blue on screen. The text is the subtitle is blue on screen. Yeah. When they're tra- when they're translating the Wakandan, it's white. And I thought that was a very interesting yes, way sir. to show the difference. Yes, sir. And and to somebody who's lost in the movie, you might need that extra little mm-hmm. hint to help you follow properly. The one, I don't say weak part, the one that didn't fit in, the one that was more, okay, this is the MCU part, was Martin Freeman's character and obviously Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It's the, well, we have to connect this. I loved it. I like it because it's bringing into other things, but if anything, that's what took me out a little bit. No, I disagree. Okay, well, hold on. I, I totally understand that. I'm saying if anything, that took me a little bit because it all of a sudden jumps. I appreciate the fact they're drawing things in together because I already had someone, a coworker, come up to me and say, what do I need to know TV show-wise? Like, you absolutely need to have Falcon and Winter Soldier watched to understand what is going on with DeFontaine. You, you, you need to understand that. Hawkeye, eh, you just watch the end. <laughs> but Falcon <laughs> Winter Soldier, you need I to understand. Hawkeye. No, I, I did too. I did, I did too. too. I'm just saying to understand her role and yeah. what is coming up next. Sure. That's the only part that maybe, and I'm, when I say maybe, I'm like less than 5%, pulled me a little bit in a different direction, but I understood why it's there, and it does bring a good closure because the next phase, we're like jumping into everything multiverse and quantum physics, all that kind of stuff again. But that's one of the things that kind of had to be stuck in there to connect it because I feel like the film could have stood on its own without that on its own, but yeah. it has to be part of a bigger one. Yes, but okay, but uh, Agent Ross is in the first Black Panther movie, uh, yes. so that's a tie-in there. Right. So he's an, obviously an ally. There's some continuity on the United States it, that you absolutely. just complained about, being like the world is going against these countries yep. for their resources. So he's the tie to that and the and, expert, right? And so, so, it, so you're already familiar with that character. You know what he's a part of, which is the United States government. You know that he's a friend to Wakanda. It's not like this guy they just put on. Well, is he a friend? Is he not a friend? We don't really know if he's a double agent. Yeah. You know who he's he is. He's a debt to them. Yeah. So to me, I I, I had zero problem. But do you have that. to be married to her in the past? Uh, well, it's just I a fun wrinkle. I, I, don't I know it was a fun wrinkle. I just went, of it, course, it was. It was. <laughs> I don't care for Julia Louis Dreyfus's character. You're I not think, supposed to. I well, I I don't. <laughs> I think it's done cartoonishly and i i just think it's played a little over the top in every time she's appeared anywhere in the mcu in this character it's a little too goofy for me this is not probably the forum to do this but i'm going to say it anyway samuel L. jackson is the same way sure. in the mcu he's over the top a little bit of you know every time he's on screen it's like a, it's a presence feels like a comic book character yeah and i have no problem with that Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right. Like, like it's not. She's not on an island. Is what I'm saying. Sure. There are other yes. characters there's, that feel the same to me. There's and I'm fine with it. There's almost a representation, like a cartoonish character, in almost every Marvel film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll just say that she was the one in Wakanda Forever. For okay. Me. So Riri Williams gets introduced. Yes. And we knew this was happening, obviously. We saw it in the trailer. She's right. already been in Target commercials <laughs> as well. 
Does her appearance in this film make you excited for the television series? I'm more excited now than I was before. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll say the same. I was not crazy about the character, but uh, yeah, I think it could be a fun series. I, I think she's a, she's a fun character. I didn't know, you know, I am not a, a comic book guy. I don't know where these things are going. I just take the films as they come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I even thought she was going to be the next Tony Stark. Is she going to be, you know, there's all those comparisons because uh, she has so many of those traits from the earlier mm-hmm. generations of the Marvel Universe. So I, I enjoyed her and I think I will, I'm going to give her all the leeway with the series uh, to show me what she got. The actress is tremendous. Yeah. She has great comedic timing, but it's also real. It's not over the top. It's done very, very well. And then they did the suit in such a kind of a crude, almost like that that first one when he comes out of the cave and he's got mm-hmm. a huge suit on, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very obnoxious. Well, they made note and, of that with how she's built right. other things. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so the, it, there was a lot of parallels there, and I thought, okay, this is setting up to be really great. I thought it was really really cool introduction, and I thought I'm invested in this character now, even though she only had probably a grand total of what twelve minutes on screen. Sure. Can I talk about the music? Because I was very proud of it. Can I jump yes, ahead of you? Yes, you kick it off. You right. kick it off. Okay. Usually, so, I love this. Justin we always, takes this, but Jeremy, I, please. I only have a couple sentences, then I'll just hand it off to the music guy. We always talk about how important the score is to films. We always talk about that, okay? In this movie, there were numerous moments without a score, and it added to the drama. This movie is better in these moments because there's nothing, because they're in the right spots. You can't have a movie with no score. Yep. But in those moments where there was no score, it would just held that emotion and held that drama. And I thought it was just so powerful. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, having heard Rihanna's Lift Me Up, which came out, you know, maybe a week before, you know, this, this film hits theaters, I think it's one of her strongest songs ever. The Beautiful. first time I heard it, I was just blown away. And I'm, you know, a mild Rihanna fan. Mm-hmm. But... While I'm watching the film, I'm wondering, where are they going to use this? Obviously, this is the, the weight and emotion of loss, right? And are we going to see it at the beginning of the movie? Are we going to see it uh, during the funeral scene, you know, where they're, they're parading through the streets of Wakanda? Or is it just going to be an end credits thing? And the way they used that right before the final beach scene, I would never have thought to put it there, but... I thought that was the perfect place to use it. So Ludwig Göransson is quickly becoming one of my favorite composers. Uh, he's done movies like uh, Tenet. And Creed. Creed. And the Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, yep. Turning mm-hmm. Red. He's worked with New Girl, Community. Yeah. I mean, multiple avenues. Not like it's just sci-fi or, or MCU films or things like that. Not limited to any Not genre. limited at all. But what I enjoy about his composing is his willingness to not sound like himself (laughs) if that makes any sense at all to you i love john williams i know a john williams score whenever i hear it you know what you know a han zimmer score whenever you hear it Mm -hmm, and you may not know it but you'll see the movie and if somebody told you that it's the same person that did the scores for some of these like of course like you just know it is getting more difficult to pick out a ludwig gorenson score because his skill set to use different instrumentation to match what is needed in a movie is brilliant think of the mandalorian and the use of percussion instruments there and the the chord structure same thing with black panther 
Yeah. And especially you using the, the inspiration of African beats. And then you throw in, now, Mayan culture. Yeah. And influence from from Yucatan instruments and music of that sort. You, That is genius in terms of composing that you have this man that is able to take a movie. And the great thing is he's worked with Ryan Coogler multiple times now. So they have a great sense sure. of working together and what is needed for a film. He understands what representation is about in music. And I love that so much. We talked about Shuri earlier, right? Right. And her transition and going through that vengeance phase to all of a sudden the mourning phase, realizing what she must do for the sake of her people. When she is going through the phase of where she sees Killmonger and where she has the talk with M'Baku, well, next time you go see it, folks, because you're going to see it again, I'm sure, listen to the chord progression, listen to the key, because he is throwing things into a minor key. And to further explain that, when things are in a minor key, it usually sounds villainous, <laughs> it's dark, all those types of things. Because what's happening to her heart in these moments? She's turning dark. And there's no doubt that Rihanna's got to be nominated for Best Original Song for a Film, right? I mean, absolutely. like, absolutely for this. So music plays an incredible role in this. It helps you feel emotion, helps drive the story as well, and helps explain certain parts with the music's being chosen because culture is highly represented in the music of this film, whether it's with vocals or without vocals, and I absolutely love what they did with this film. Before we get to ratings, that mid credit scene. A lot of people say, well, I, I knew that was going to happen. I don't care if you knew it was going to happen or not. It was emotional, and it made me feel some closure. I didn't know it was going to happen. But I'm just seeing plenty of comments because people want to be, you know, a-holes about stuff. Sure. <laughs> but the way that they introduced it and the, the explanation we get from Nakia of why they're able to wrap things up. So many questions. Like, there could have been some quote-unquote plot holes and yeah. questions that were left in the film that they actually wrapped up in like a three-minute mid credit scene to make you go, you know what? I'm good with that explanation. That makes a lot of sense right there. If you told me ahead of time, oh, yeah, by the way, he has a secret kid. <laughs> I, you know, like I would have gone, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but when it happened, and I didn't know it was coming, uh, I felt thrilled. Yes. And and like, oh, it like you've given me hope and all those things that, you know, we're not there for a lot of the characters during the movie. And this is going to be difficult to pick up on the first viewing. In the second viewing, he is one of the little boys that says bonjour to the queen. When I went back to see it the second time, I was going to look for that. He's there. He's one like, of those kids. I, I know they put him in there somewhere. He's one of those kids. Yeah. And so that right there ties it together. That's good to know. Because when she asked, did, did my mother get to meet him? Yes. Oh, right, right there. Like on a second viewing, you're not going to pick it up in the first one because yeah, it's so quick. Yeah. Bonjour runs off. Well, right. plus, plus, if you don't know it's coming, it's like two hours away. Exactly. It, it's exactly. so early. Yeah, and it's in Haiti. It's a different location that right. we haven't seen before, mm-hmm. and everything about it is new. And you're wondering, like, oh, what's you know, what did she do? Where yes. did she go? What has she been up to? That yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that at all. I'm looking forward to that. So I just wanted to make sure you all knew that because I was so I was like, oh, it's in. It's a little kid. <laughs> nice touch. Yes. Nice touch. Time for our, our, our ratings. This is Jim. I'll go first. Uh, I thought this was a masterful job of an impossible job. Ooh. I really think that they did 
as well as they did with Black Panther, which I have tremendous regard for. And there are people that don't like superhero movies, but they loved Black Panther. So, you know, my expectations were that they weren't going to meet my expectations, but they did. I was thrilled with it. Can't wait to see it again. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with these characters in the future. Uh, I I just thought it was a a masterful job. You're going to think, oh, why didn't you give it a higher score? I gave it an 8.5, but that's pretty high for me. It takes a lot more for a superhero film to get an 8.5 from me than it does anything else. So it's a mark of respect for this movie. I thought it was terrific. Bradford, you want to go second? No, you go. You've seen it twice, though. Yeah, that's why I should go last. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> you go. No, you go. No, you go. And you go. And then they fist fight. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I didn't care for how they explained it off that King T'Challa's death was an unknown disease. All I'm saying is I had a hard time sitting in the theater of like, oh, that's that's it? That's what Man, they're going to say? That's nitpicky, dude. Sorry. Well, that's where we're at. I know. The, that's this, real ooh, nitpicky. The second a, thing I want to- molecular level nitpicky. The second Le- thing I wanted to break- well, Literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. DNA level. <laughs> yes. The second thing I wanted to bring up is- Why does he save this for the ratings? Because <laughs> I don't know where to put it in the show. I really thought- In your mouth. I really thought- <laughs> With your lip. I really thought the filmmakers would use some sort of unused footage of Chadwick Boseman from the first movie or from Civil War or something else that he'd mm. been in. No, no, no. I, I, th- I thought that they, okay, they're not going to recast him, obviously, and no, they're going to and, the, and then we you you didn't want that, but you thought I, they no, might. I didn't want that. I'm saying I thought they would do. Okay, they, I need you to start with that. Start with the you didn't want it. <laughs> well, because you're leading us down a road of are we going to go on at him again? <laughs> no, you're going to love this. Rise of Skywalker. Try not to hear Bradford's moaning. The Rise of Skywalker. He's flipping me off right now. Rise of Skywalker. Okay, so Carrie Fisher dies between the two films. Yeah, eight and nine. Okay, and they say we're not going to ca- we're not going to recast her. So then in the movie, she's got all these like the way they did it was masterful to a point. Was they put in this, these these deleted scenes from her delivering lines in other movies that weren't used, and yeah. then they work the dialogue around that to make her a part of the film. Okay, so I'm not saying they should have done that by any means. I'm just saying that I thought there would be something like that, something like where he has like one line that was deleted out of Black Panther, and then they go to the she goes to the ancestral plane, and there is Chadwick Boseman, and he says "I love you" or just something. No, there's a reason why Black Panther is a good movie and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker is not. Fine, I'm not. I'm just using it as an example. That is one of the reasons. Okay, I triggered Bradford clearly. Yes, because no, we don't need that. What I'm saying is I thought in the ancestral plane there would be some sort of Chadwick. I thought I was hoping we wouldn't get it. He's he's gone. Can I finish what I was doing? No, because you triggered me. <laughs> There's a great disturbance in the force. And, <laughs> he, you bring up him using Carrie Fisher? That's the best example I come up with of a person who actually died before the film shot. I know, well, but they didn't need that. Okay. Thank God they didn't CGI him. I know. Like, right. Like, no, right. Yeah. No, right. So, okay, so let me just get through this. Hush for- Get to th- your point. Turn his mic off for 30 seconds. It's all it's going to take. Like, this is already taking five minutes longer than it should have taken. <laughs> I thought we were going to get that. Ancestral plane, after she you know, takes the heart-shaped herb, she goes to the ancestral plane. I thought, and then you could even see somebody's head- over the throne, the top of the throne, I thought, oh, this is it. This is where it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was 100% sold. It took him 30 seconds to get to his point. So to see Killmonger, that was a tremendous. 
That was your point? Was a good thing like that? Yes, because I thought, okay, that's not... All right, you know what? Forget it. What kind of roller coaster are <laughs> you trying to take us on? <laughs> I agree with you. I'm, I'm not even going to make my point anymore. No, all that for no, me no. to agree with him. That's right. <laughs> the last thing is, we talked about how Black Adam felt long. This was the opposite. Yeah. This felt like it was a condensed version of the story, and it was 240 or something. I mean, it was yeah. a long, long, long movie, but I didn't feel that way at all. I thought it was great. So... Anyway, all that to say, Bradford, yeah, all I, that. I gave it a 7.5. Okay. I didn't think it was, it's not in my top 10 MCU movies. It might be right on the outside, 11, really? 12, something like that, but it's not in my top 10, but it was tremendous anyway, and I will go back and see it at least a couple times. Okay. Justin Bradford. Who's praying that I cut all that I just said because he got so annoyed. <laughs> I earned about six more gray hairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the trigger, Justin Bradford. Okay. okay. What is so, your score? In our episode of Black Adam, which went quasi mini viral on Instagram. I just said this. No, 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 hold on. Well, if you interrupt me, I'm gonna I'm just Okay, gonna, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the Bickers, the Bickersons are having a moment. <laughs> oh one of my problems was that The Rock didn't have an accent at all. When he's being woken up all of a sudden from ancient times, no accent. 5,000 years later. Yeah, just American English, where everybody else has an accent, which is why I appreciate so much of the focus on attention to detail in movies like Black Panther, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, because, again, Chadwick Boseman made it a point that it was not going to be Americanized. Right. They they make themselves aware they're from. It's a made-up land. But we know what it should potentially sound like. Same with Talokan, making sure that is represented in an appropriate way, that you don't just have people that are descendants and then all of a sudden speak with an American English accent. They're speaking with an accent of what their tongue would be translated to if they're speaking English. I love details like that in a film. So attention to detail with that, attention to detail with the music, the framing, the performances from Angela Bassett, all those things together I love so much. One week apart, I thought that we talked about the, the Shuri scene with M'Baku. I just, eh, it didn't take away enough for me to dock it. It's just out of 160 minutes, <laughs> you're going to have a couple points. You're like, eh, I, I don't like that. Overall, obviously really enjoyed the film. After a second viewing, pick up little things here and there, especially with the music because listening for that. I love the storytelling of it, the character development, how they can push forward. But they don't have to. We don't have to see more of these characters because we have some closure with how things are wrapping up. We know what has come of a lot of these characters. Like M'Baku, he's going to be king. Mm-hmm. Fine with that. Shuri, she is now the Black Panther. She went through her trials. So with that, I'm going to give it a nine. Very nice. I tuned you out about five minutes ago. I'm so sorry. I didn't even talk for five minutes like you. I talked for two and a half at most. Interrupted. <laughs> So, time to move on to our question. Yeah, it's time for the big question. Okay, this one is submitted by Mr. Brandon Felder. You can choose one character from any film to be your spouse slash partner. Which character do you select? Jim, I think you should go first because you already prefaced it by saying you're not happy with your choice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, which makes me hate the question because I, <laughs> I didn't. I don't feel like I, I have come up with a adequate answer do you need time i mean i, can, I mean, no i mean, I mean, I mean i've had, had the time answer. to think of it okay. yeah right. but but i'm not happy with my uh choice but uh, <laughs> i'll make do uh with wonder woman mm. 
Okay. Oh, Gal Gadot or yeah, Linda Carter? Yeah, or what are we Gidon talking about? Gal. From the first movie. Okay. Second one, right. sleeping Man. with another person who's taken over somebody else's body. Bad choice. Not <laughs> a good thing. Um, Thanks for clarifying that shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, my, my, my spouse that I would marry, uh, the character, is, is Wonder Woman. Uh, I love strong women and in general and strong women characters. I truly love them. And uh, not only is she just, I mean, she's beautiful to look at, uh, but she's smart. She's capable. She doesn't need me. <laughs> but if she, you know what I mean, so uh, I, and if you're I, lying, she can make you tell the truth with her lasso. Anytime, any time, <laughs> whatever you want to do with that lasso is fine with me. That is somebody that I, you I kink would... unlocked for Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Only she could. Though. Only her. My wife has all those characteristics in in her own way. She's morally a great person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is smart. She is capable. You know, she she's a, I think a character that you know can be somebody that can love and do it in a way that is not your typical. I mean, her relationship with Chris Pine is probably the template I'm using. Uh, that she can have that kind of love uh, makes her my choice as spouse. And she knows art because that's her day job. Exactly. So, Okay, so the question is, uh, the character from a movie that you would want your spouse to be, Jeremy K. Gover. Does it have to be a movie or can it be a TV show? I'm good with TV show. That's fine. Oh, great. Well, then my number one answer is Jenna Fisher's Pam Beasley in The Office. There's many people (laughs) that would say, I'd marry Pam. I love Pam because she's so sweet and uh, and, and and nurturing and giving and and but also naturally funny, but yes. it's a suppressed funny because she doesn't know that she's she's not comfortable <laughs> with letting that side out and kind of in a, in a corporate environment. Like she's oh, the you know. opposite of Michael Scott. Yes, in the in that office, <laughs> reserved but knows. What, yeah, it's yeah, it's she's tremendous. But I, I I love the Pam Beasley character. If I had to pick a movie, by the way, I was going to say Drew Barrymore's Julia Sullivan and the Wedding Singer. Also oh. the same qualities, by the way. Mm, Sweet, okay. will do anything for you. Super nice, but funny, yep. but also just kind of like, you know, just just very devoted. I, I, I really like that type of woman, apparently. And uh, <laughs> so Jenna, Jenna Fisher's Pam Beasley is my answer. Okay, so this is Justin, and I'm going to say the actress's name, and I want each of you to tell me what movie you think I'm going to go with. All see right. if you get it right, okay? Okay. Amy Adams. The Muppets. <laughs> 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 that was quick too. That was quick, Jim. Um, I'm gonna say Enchanted. Oh my gosh! Great guess. <laughs> the cartoon version. No, I'm going with Susan from Talladega Nights. Okay. All right. Okay, and I'm 15, well, 17 years ago now, 16 years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. Wow. Yeah. I'm going with her because 2006. Yep. She's quirky. She's extremely supportive. She's funny, and. Whenever she wants to, she's going to jump her man's bones. <laughs> I love your brutal honesty. It's in a freaking bar. fantastic. <laughs> but the most of all, supportive and quirky and willing to, and willing to stand up for him, the, too. The jump the bones is just a bonus. It's just a, it is a bonus. <laughs> now I love that I said the Muppets even more. <laughs> I know. 
Thank you for bearing with us in another edition of the Untitled Film Project podcast. We've been talking uh, Wakanda forever uh, and also who our spouses would be if uh, we could pick from a character. For something completely different. It was, it was, a, it was, I think it was the relief we needed, especially after you guys fighting. You can find us on social media and be, maybe we'll answer your question on the next podcast. Especially tweeted at us, Untitled Film Project. I mean, you find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send us a message. Put a comment out there. We want to hear what questions you would like us to answer because we love that and we feed off of it. We have a bank of them, but I'd rather answer your questions than our own questions. That's what makes it more fun and interactive. And make sure, uh, first of all, thank you, Brandon Felder, for giving us that question for this episode. So submit yours on social media. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. That could be iHeart, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, YouTube. We're everywhere. Subscribe. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.